This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered. Good afternoon. Welcome on in here to Unholstered. We are glad you're with us on this weekend. Hope you're enjoying the nice weather. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I am just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. This is the show where the local media has teamed up with our local police department here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to share and tell all of the nitty-gritty stories that don't often get told. Uh, When it comes to law enforcement, I represent the side of the local media. And Sophia, my co-host, represents the side of our local law enforcement. Good morning, everyone. My name is Captain Sophia Rosales-Catina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Welcome to Unholstered, where we are giving you a lot of information. Um, and basically, I don't think anyone else is. Yeah, that's that's so true, Sophia. We are giving you more information, particularly today, about constitutional carry. We are dissecting the language, what it means to you in a more hopefully applicable way, um, because it gets really confusing. There, there's just been a lot going on with this particular legislation. And if you missed it, last week's show, which is available on anywhere you download on iTunes or Spotify if, or anywhere else you download, you need to have that basis uh, to understand kind of where we're carrying on with this show here. So this is a continuation from last week. Um, and we have our guest. Uh, go ahead, Mark, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm uh, Detective Mark Deshays. I'm with the City of Fort Wayne Police Department, and I'm a detective with our Gang and Violent Crimes Unit. I always say, what I always tell people about this show, and I'm like, it truly is an unfiltered look at a lot of topics within law enforcement that you just don't hear about. And this is definitely one of those topics, especially in the state of Indiana. It's been an ongoing story when it comes to this legislation um, regarding a, a repeal of the permit process to carry a handgun in the state of Indiana, whether it's concealed or not. And that's what we're talking about today. As Sophia mentioned, you've got to go back to our previous episode of Unholstered last weekend because we dove in uh, with Mark last week. So, Mark, we appreciate you coming back because we just ran out of time yes, last week. Like there's we so do. much information. And there's so much information. In fact, I should say there's so much new information uh, for folks who maybe didn't listen last week or have no idea what's going on in the news cycle here in the state of Indiana. Governor Eric Holcomb has signed into law House Bill 1296, Firearms Matter. Uh, this essentially makes Indiana the 24th constitutional carry state. This legislation repeals the handgun permit requirement to carry a handgun, concealed or otherwise, here in the state of Indiana. This law will go into effect come July 1st. But before we really get into all of that nitty gritty, I do want to jog some memories here first. This legislation came about in 2017. It has evolved greatly. I I would argue that the legislation, the bill now, looks nothing like it did back in 2017. Uh, That's how much it's changed. Um, But can you just kind of give us the landscape of what this legislation says? Sure. Indiana is a shall-issue permit state to carry a handgun, so that means that barring any prohibited status that bars you from carrying a handgun legally, such as felonies in the past, Indiana will issue you a permit. And what this bill does is it makes an argument that there's a constitutional right to carry a firearm without any permit, and therefore they are trying to abolish the permit system, which is simply a check and balance system for the state of Indiana. And for the citizens as a whole, it's a check and balance. So this would abolish the permit system and would allow anyone to carry a handgun in the state of Indiana, as long as they're a resident, without a handgun permit. I want to touch on something that sat with me for the last week. Uh, that you mentioned in last week's episode when we were talking about this. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you can correct me if I'm getting the information wrong. But you said something to the effect of, you know, this 
permit requirement. Yes, it's your constitutional right to carry a firearm, uh, but it's also your constitutional right to vote. And you need to register and have an ID to vote as well. And you kind of equated the two. Right? I'm not putting your words correct, in your mouth. Correct. Okay. I, I, I've thought about this a little bit, and I just wanted to, to hear your thoughts on the fact this is this is kind of the way I interpret it. And I'm not here to debate you, Mark. I would never do that. Um, <laughs> However, when I when I look at your constitutional right to carry a firearm and this permitting process, there's a part of me that feels like I am requesting permission from the government to be able to exercise my constitutional right to carry a firearm. Well, Whereas with, with when I'm you know registering to vote, I feel like I'm simply telling you, hey, this is where I'm going to vote. And I think that that's a misconception because you're not requesting permission from the state of Indiana to carry a firearm. You're just simply saying, can you check and make sure that there's nothing in my closet, nothing in my history that would have prohibited me that I don't know about that would prohibit me from carrying a firearm? That's all what, you're what, asking. What, were some, what, what are some of those things? So, I mean, some of the things that currently are in the system is obviously you can't be a prior convicted felon. Uh, you can't have any adjudications for mental defect. You can't have any prior juvenile adjudications that would have prohibited you. There's drug and alcohol abuse issues that can disqualify you. And there's a lot of uh, smaller crimes, such misdemeanor crimes, such as domestic violence, that bar you from carrying a handgun for a certain period of time. You know what's kind of messed up? It's almost like, you know, you know how everyone views a piece of art differently, right? You go to an yeah. art gallery and the way I interpret it is going to be different from the way you interpret it, Sophia. You know, when it comes to this legislation and like, like I just brought up to me, it's like I'm, I'm requesting permission and that's the way I've interpreted the permit requirement. And then the way you just put it, I can see your interpretation of that Picasso. Right. That's why we have these conversations. Right. Just hearing different perspectives. And I think that's what makes this show great because you as a civilian and me as a law yes. enforcement, we have two different perspectives on things and we can reconcile those and, and kind of come together and like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there is. It is it's very thought provoking. And I, I think I just truly I hope people go back to the previous episode because we we dive a lot more into this legislation there. So I kind of do want to move on from it. Sure. And I, I want to talk a little bit, Mark, which, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this. You were down there for the, the House hearings and the Senate hearings. You're kind of a big deal, Mark. No, uh, hardly, hardly. <laughs> I guess uh, to, to put a nice fine bow on it, what what do the supporters of this legislation say and want from it? And what do opponents of this legislation say and, and don't want from it? I've, I felt like, we, so we sit through the entire testimony. And when we sat at the House hearing, we listened to the entirety of the testimony. And we sat at the t Senate hearing. We stayed till the end. We, we were the last ones to speak. So we sat through... Oh, God Conservatively, bless you. You were like there for hours. seven hours yeah. of testimony at the Senate hearing. Ooh, and we listened like to that? every single person. We gave them our full attention. I think it's very important that you listen to other people's arguments mm -hmm. and, and see where there can be compromise or if there's merit. And the majority of the argument pro on this was just simply pro. It's they their arguments, it's an infringement of their rights. Mm -hmm. No other issue. Did they bring up a lot of these other states that have already passed similar constitutional carry laws? Because I think recently with Ohio, Alabama, and now obviously Indiana, we're up to 24 constitutional carry states. So were the other, you know, 23 states brought up? Well, I mean, they always do. They bring yeah. up that, but there is obviously always data that can refute data. Mm, and um, and, we can always find right. that. Right? So, I mean, you know, I know that Minnesota, I, I believe it was Minnesota, I, I know that there was another equitably sized populace to Fort Wayne that did see increases in crime when they, uh, when they revoke permit, when they go to a permitless carry system. But, you know, like, I, I unfortunately don't have that specific data in front of me to quote. I just, so, that's usually an argument that right, is brought up. They go back and forth yeah. with the, this didn't create any bigger burden somewhere else. But 
even if we were to eliminate the argument of whether this increases crime, we also have to look at whether this increases people that are, are subject to arrest, unfortunately. Now, are we going to— What do you mean? How so? What? Are we going to take away the check and balance system that gives you the knowledge that you aren't a prohibited person? Because there's no other way someone can do that. There's no phone line that you can call. You can't just call down to the police department and say, can you check and tell me if I'm a prohibited person? And so now people are going to be unsure of their status. And if they end up in a situation that they're being checked by law enforcement for that prohibited person status, now they no longer have any way of knowing, knowing a, that, that they knowing are a prohibited person. Right. Right. We talked about that last yeah. week. Right when we talked about, we had about 6,000 applications, and within that, about 14% of those were ineligible. Yeah, 700 people were ineligible. So there's 700 people that, well, now, if come July 1st, would have subjected themselves mm -hmm. to possible arrests. Well, I think it goes back to that interpretation of art. I'm getting from you, Mark, and again, not putting words in your mouth, but this is a system that lets people know, lets you know that your hands should not be in possession of a firearm, right? That's like your where my interpretation, like I said, was I'm asking permission to have a firearm in my hands. Isn't that... To me? Yeah, this, I mean, the, the way it should be looked at is basically everyone is allowed to carry mm -hmm. and all they're doing is submitting that, hey, I'm allowed to carry, just checking with you guys to make sure that I'm not missing anything. Right. And then the state has different qualifiers that they can look at in different databases within that permit process but there's multiple databases that are being checked. This is not a singular system. And when the law or when the uh, legislature is looking at this, they're saying, well, we can create a new system to help law enforcement look for that. And that's kind of the old argument. You know, if you take a flat tire off the back of the car and you put it on the front of the car, it's still a flat, it's tire. Still a flat tire. We have a system that works. Why would we abandon the system that works to create a new system to do the exact same that the thing that the old system did. And notice they didn't wait to create the system before they changed. Right. Course, so well, we're putting the cart before the horse. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the system then. Where does, because there's also a lot of confusion about this, where does the law stand now? What the heck is going on? Currently, what, what I think is most important, too, is that they're not going to abandon the permitting process within the state of Indiana. We will still have gun permits within the state Can of Indiana. Can you say that again for us, Mark, loud and clear? Right. We're not abandoning the gun <laughs> permit. We will still have a gun permit process in the state of Indiana because what this doesn't address is reciprocity. Yeah. And that's a huge issue. A lot of people travel within... You know, we're at Fort Wayne, we're 20, 30 minutes from the border of Ohio, we're a couple, an hour from the border or less of Michigan. Different states uh, will honor your permit and allow you to carry in that state as well. So what they do is they look at the fact that Indiana has vetted you and checked the closet and made sure there's nothing that's prohibiting you. in there. Right. Maybe make, make sure there's nothing that's prohibiting you. And they say... You've been checked in Indiana. We find that adequate. You can carry within our state as well. And so we will still have to have a permitting process to allow people to travel yeah. with reciprocity. It's interesting. So don't travel out of Indiana unless you, unless you have permit. a gun permit. Correct. I was, uh, I was at an event, uh, a work-related event, a couple of weekends ago, and a former law enforcement officer um, came up to me and just introduced himself, said he listened to Unholstered and listens to the program that I host on a weekly basis where I work. And I said, no kidding. Well, can I talk to you about this legislation? <laughs> you know, and I wanted to get his sense on it as well, because I, I truly am a sponge and I'm trying to glean all of the information that I can, especially when it comes to this topic. And this is exactly what he said, Mark. He said, he goes, I actually, I kind of find it a little bit silly because your true law-abiding citizens that want to carry their firearm 
they're going to carry it out of state. I mean, we, we like you said it, I think, last week, Sophia, we're nomadic people. We travel. We do things out of the state of Indiana. So naturally, you are going to have to have that permit in order to do that. So it, it, that also really got me thinking that, and I'm not saying this, but it got me thinking that is this you know, a solution to a problem that we don't really have? That is how I feel. I, I'm I, I'm trying to discern where is the problem that we're f- addressing with this legislature, and I believe that the Senate even did a Senate poll, and it was like an overwhelming number of the constituents felt that the permit process, as it was, was not a broken system, oh, and they did not support the legislature being changed. So again, then we go back to who are we appeasing? Who is requesting this? And what problem are we fixing? What are we addressing? And what are we fixing? Mm-hmm. And it, I just can't see an answer to this. Your law-abiding citizens who want to carry their firearm out of the state of Indiana, they have to get that permit. They'll still have to get the permit. So we still have to maintain that permitting process. And now the legislature is saying we might even have to institute a new process within the state for law enforcement to be able to access all these inaccessible databases on the roadside. So now we're saying how do we create a database to allow— what we already have a database for. I got a question for both of you. And it's a little bit personal. So if you don't want to answer, fine. <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you feel like people who, um, that were in support of this legislation, are anti-law enforcement? I don't necessarily think that that's the case. But I don't think that they have a real understanding of everything that's involved with this. I just think this is a highly emotionally charged issue for a lot of people, um, depending on where they are on the political spectrum. And and I think emotionally they're just invested and there's just no changing their mind. They're just they're just there where they are. And I think we as a society in, in terms of citizenry and, you know, people who vote who are voting for people really need to really take a look at what legislatures are doing and and I, I think this is good this is good conversations to be had because I think people need to be involved people need to voice their ex- their opinions voice their expressions to the to the people that they've voted for mm-hmm. to speak for them mm-hmm. and if they're not speaking to what you want then you need to make your voice heard not only to them in an email or a phone call but at the voting booth um you know when I hear the numbers of 60 or 80 percent of the people we're not in favor of this. I mean, that, those are huge numbers, and I don't know how we've gotten to the place we are with that many people not thinking that this is even an issue. In full transparency, too, I, uh, I'm, I'm, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm the, I'm the part of the local media. I represent the local media. Um, I host a news talk program during the week, and I personally, and I don't normally do that. I have a producer who does this for me. I personally picked up the phone. And called multiple state representatives and called multiple, uh, I'm going to say, higher up members of law enforcement that were kind of involved more so in some of this legislation to bring them on my program to do exactly what you just said, Sophia, to talk about it so people can be informed, so they can know what they're voting for or against or what they they do believe or don't believe. And unfortunately, and I'm I'm not kidding here, I got denied uh, every phone call, every email left and right. And I will be honest, I was very discouraged because I told you weeks ago to to your face, Sophia, I said, I'm on the fence. I can be pulled either way. And I said, I want to be convinced one way or the other on this legislation. And I felt like I did not get the tools that I needed 
yes, with you and had some off the record conversations with the other few members of law enforcement off the record, I did feel like I, I got a good grasp on it. But I couldn't share that information. For me, that's actually a really frustrating part of my job. I hate that one that does happen to me and I get stonewalled like that. But I just feel like everyone should have all of this information. And I, I would say I agree because I, I was so baffled going to see legislature in action and to see powerful testimony. We mm -hmm. sat there and listened to person after person, law enforcement and not. We listened to constitutional lawyers that came down mm -hmm. and spoke against it. We listened to uh, prosecutors for juvenile cases. We listened to the superintendent of the state police, Doug Carter, mm -hmm. speak against it. And he had a very, very powerful— What did, what did he say for folks who— He stated that he did not support it. And he said that this system is not broken— and you're trying to fix a not broken system, and this is, and this is a a statement that I share very thing. This is the least intrusive method, and it's the most effective method for reducing gun violence is by having an ability to take and or not take to keep guns out of criminals' hands. And Doug Carter's not up for re-election. Should we throw that out there? Or can right. I throw that out there. <laughs> and he made that abundantly clear that this was his opinion. Yeah. And I, I, I support Doug Carter 100 percent. He stated his opinion. And we and you asked, are people pro-law enforcement on the Second Amendment side? Yes, they are. Yeah. I mean, when we were down at these hearings, these people are just regular people. Yeah. They're coming up and they're talking to us. They're shaking our hands. They're thanking us for uh, what we do. And they just say, we just disagree. Yeah. And, and, and that's what the basis of our whole society here, democratic society, is, is the ability to disagree, the ability to discuss this. What's discouraging is when you hear powerful testimony and you watch legislators who have already had their mind made up prior to coming in on their phones, diddling around, walking in and out. And there was even comments in the newspaper that they had to be called back into the session mm -hmm. uh, when they were all out in the hallway. And that's that's unfortunate because here we are. The people that they represent testifying pro or con, whatever your belief is, mm -hmm. and they're ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. They've made up their political mind. Yeah. I, I had a lot of people, why aren't you getting so-and-so on? Why aren't you getting this person on? I'm like, I'm trying. I'm doing doing my best. And so that's why I greatly appreciate Chief Reed for allowing you guys to talk about it, for allowing you, Mark, to come on and talk about it and be so transparent about where the Fort Wayne Police Department stands. Well, I think, you know, the basis of the show, right, is to cut out myths mm -hmm. And to get to the heart of what really matters in terms of law enforcement and, and what we're doing here in Fort Wayne. And I think, at least where I come from, people have a right to know what the law is mm -hmm. that has just been enacted on their behalf by their, by, their, by their people they've elected. And I just feel very passionate about informing people about what they should and shouldn't be doing in terms of the law. And this law is very confusing as, I, as you read it. In, in its form, and it was even telling Mark, especially on the reciprocity, I'm like, I don't even know what that line means. I'll tell means. you what, I, like I said before, the bill that, you know, from 2017 to now, you might as well put it in German. Yeah. <laughs> I don't speak German. Uh, I had a really hard time, and I, I read a lot of these bills for my job all the time. Yeah, they're very confusing. They're it's, very confusing. And I think there's a reason for that. Yes, <laughs> I, think it's I agree, to make Sophia. us all confused so we don't know what's really going I on. I say it all the time. Sometimes I really hate politics. Yeah, <laughs> and I just wish they would make, especially things like that are... These Wildly important. Yes, yeah. they're very constitutional. Important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is constitutional. Let's make this plain language. But, you know, I, I think we even... We're also glossing over the fact that this doesn't... 
you know, there's this big argument that this is an infringement on people's rights. Like you said, are we requesting permission from the government? No, you're asking the government to just ensure that you're not a prohibited person. This doesn't change anything about purchasing guns. This doesn't address constitutional right to purchase a gun, doesn't address whether everyone has a constitutional right to have a gun. The government's not giving away guns to make sure everyone has one. You still have a background check there, but what— has become the big loophole within those systems is the private party transfer of guns and the proliferation of websites that offer private yeah. party transfer. And those background checks, there are none. So now we, you know, the 18-year-old who might have had ghosts in his past that prohibited him as a child thinks that his record's locked. He gets a private party transfer of a firearm. No government, no check has been made of him ever. He carries that firearm for however many years, runs afoul and then gets stopped, and it's found that it's a serious violation for him to be carrying that handgun. And there's no check and balance for him. Right. There's nothing. Right. And it forces us to be reactive and not proactive as police. And and what we have to wait till a tragedy happens, and then we're like, oh, well, they shouldn't have had that gun. Right. It's like taking away speed limit signs and saying you can drive, but if you drive too fast, we're going to stop you. And someone says, well, what's the speed limit? And we say, we'll tell you when you when you've hit that when you've hit it. Yeah. And and that's you know. It's the best analogy is we put speed limit signs up so you know, mm-hmm. here, here's the law. Please don't exceed it. And then if if you exceed it, we'll have to enforce it. Whereas this is saying, hey, listen, here's the law. Prohibited people cannot have it. If you want to check and make sure you're not prohibited, here's a process for that. And we will get, you know, we will respond to you. And if you feel it was an error, there's a check and balance for that. You can appeal the error if you feel it was er- errored. Okay, before we're completely out of time here, um, we know this legislation has passed. Um, it's here. It's with us, for better or for worse. Um, what does that mean for law enforcement? Because Sophie kind of just kind of tiptoed into something about talking about, you know, police officers just being hyper vigilant, hyper aware. I mean, what does this mean for you guys when this law takes effect July 1, 2022? Well, there's a lot of different bills that also play off of gun ownership as an enhancing factor. So, you know, argumentatively, if we were to have something that was a stop with criminality involved in handguns within the car, now we're looking at this huge burden of trying to discern if someone is a permitted person, if they've committed a crime by possessing a handgun, you know, maybe in addition to another crime, if they've committed a crime simply by possessing the handgun, and it's whether we'll be able to do that. Whether we will have the tools available to do that. Will we have database access that allows us the information that we need? Will there be access? And will it be timely? Will we be able to do that on the side of the road? Will we have to do that at the office? Will this be a month-long process, a week-long process, an hour-long or a minute-long process? The way the state works right now when an officer hits that enter button on their computer keyboard, if you have a permit within 20 seconds, they get a, yes, this person is permitted to have a handgun. If we take with that system being gone and there's been no proposal for how to fix that, now we are left in this realm of where do we get this information? How do we find out what's going on? Are we going to have to seize firearms, hold on to them until we can determine the legality of them? Are we going to have to extend traffic stops? What's going to go on? So we go into this uncharted water of now not knowing how to enforce the law. Yeah, we're going to have to have some court rulings on this and some legal um, input because, you know, we're kind of in this, like Mark said, we're in this gray area and we just don't know moving forward. But I know, you know, we were hyper vigilant before. Now I think it's just going to be even more so. I mean, now 
even though I always kind of tactically think everyone's carrying, now I'm really going to think everyone's carrying. Well, and, and yeah, let's let's state that too. I mean, most police officers, y'all always assume that people are are carrying yeah. to some extent, right? But y'all are also veterans on the police force. You both have, yeah. you've had what almost 20 years, right, detective? And Sophia, I know you've had well over yeah, 20 hey, years. Not, <laughs> something <laughs> um, like that. Serving, uh, you know, with law enforcement. Yeah. But I mean, I think about that I guess from a standpoint of a new officer, right? They're coming in in this gray area, not really sure. It's just hard. It's hard as it is. Now it's just even more so um when you're always having to have your guard up and we do normally, but now it's just now I've got to think that everyone's caring and, and understand that majority of the citizens are law abiding as citizens. Yeah, and, yeah. and if they wanted a gun, they were going to get their permit. They weren't, they weren't troubled by that. They did so willingly. I mean, it's an easy process, but now I think this just emboldens people to just, um, well, they probably even know that they probably shouldn't, but now no Do one's checking. There's an element of it's just like, and I'm laughing because I'm going to say, like, okay, I can just be lazy about it. Like, there is. I, I, I had a conversation <laughs> with someone, and they did say, you know, I never, I don't carry because I, I wasn't going to take the time to go get a permit. But now that I don't have to, yeah, I'll carry now. Well, and like Sophia was touching on, I think that we're going to see this big argument factually as court. Like, I didn't know I was prohibited. Mm-hmm. How would I have known I was prohibited? Yeah. You yeah. guys don't, me- you don't you don't offer a mechanism to check if I was prohibited. How would I have known? Now, granted, the law doesn't account for that. There's no ignorance of the law as an excuse for the law. But the fact of the matter is, is that's going to be a huge burden to overcome on everything. Yeah, and we've taken away the speed limit sign for law enforcement now. And we've said, hey, when you're speeding, make sure you enforce it. And we're like, well, how do we know? what the speed limit is if you've taken away the speed limit sign. So I have a feeling well, we might have to have you back on, Mark, <laughs> as 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 this does start to unravel and we start to make our way out of this gray area. So I appreciate you, again, coming on and being transparent. I feel like this is the most transparent on-air conversation I've had. Right. This will probably be the most topic. downloaded show because people want to know information. They're going to want to they know do. what this and is I, about. And I said it last week, Sophia, and I'm going to say it again for folks who missed it. Um, no one was stopping you or me, us, from having this conversation. Nothing it, but schedules. Nothing but schedules. <laughs> it was just simply us yeah. getting all of our ducks in a row and trying to have an outcome with this legislation. Yeah, and knowing where it was stood. If yeah. this was a moot point we weren't going to have to talk about or if this was something we were yeah, going to have so to talk about. Yeah, there were so many amendments introduced and yeah. then repeal. Like, there was a lot to keep up with. Yeah, so, patience, people, patience. patience. We'll get to it. <laughs> but as always, if you do have a topic you want us to dive into, which this was obviously a big one that you, a lot of you wanted us to chat about, uh, you can always text me at 46862. Put unholstered in your comment uh, so I know that you're talking to me. Again, Mark, thank you for being here. Sophia, thank you. I don't know what's up next week, but I'm not really sure how we can beat this. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I have things in mind, but we'll wait. All right, I li- oh, that's a good tease. <laughs> that's what they call a tease in the radio business. They won't want to miss it. This is your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.